Welcome to episode 65 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Walmart. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Walmart, the federal income tax, the wealth tax, gold and sound money, or the idea of a social credit score comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. If you are listening to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, please take a minute and scroll down on the page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. See this episode's show notes at truthquest.podbean.com for that link. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. The video version of the podcasts are available on YouTube, BitChute, and Brighton.com. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I just finished reading Sam Walton's 1993 autobiography, Sam Walton, Made in America. While I was reading it, I heard one of the Democratic nominees for president bash Walmart. This, of course, is nothing new. Walmart's critics have been at it a long time. You've heard it all before, I'm sure. Walmart pays low wages. Walmart does not offer its employees health care benefits. Walmart destroys communities, treats its female employees unfairly, causes greedy consumerism, resists unions, offers dead-end jobs, overcompensates its executives. Walmart forces mom-and-pop retailers out of business. Walmart buys products from sweatshops overseas and in so doing kills domestic manufacturing jobs. Walmart squeezes its suppliers. Oh, and most importantly these days, the Walton family who are billionaires, are definitely worthy of disdain. Damn, what a terrible company. But what is the truth about Walmart? I intend to address most of those claims and allegations fairly, but I think it's only fair to level set with you on what my perspective is going into this analysis. If you've listened to any of the TruthQuest podcast episodes, you won't be surprised. The list of victims and grievances that the National Democrats parade in front of the electorate is endless. Take the concept of income inequality as an example. The National Democrats are able to parlay this innocuous and unsubstantiated claim into a host of perceived aggrieved groups. Teachers, female soccer players, females in general, they're all underpaid. Vote for us and we'll right this wrong. They cast even a larger net to cast people as victims based on sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, immigration status, the list goes on and on. All to garner votes. Think about all the boogeymen that the National Democrats lay at the feet of the voters. The rich, the 1%, billionaires, big pharma, big oil, climate change deniers, pro-lifers, pro-gun advocates, the Russians. The demonization of Walmart and every other large company is nothing new. It's class warfare at its finest. It's a requirement for a national party that is out of ideas to attract voters. Hell, even Fox News host Tucker Carlson went on an anti-Walmart rant recently, calling the stuff they sell crap, criticizing the company for not paying for benefits, and killing rural America. All the Dems' complaints come from an anti-industry, anti-free market perspective, and the desire to divide and conquer the electorate. I don't know what's up with Tucker. Paul Kirkland, writing for Mises.org, said, quote, Many of Walmart's critics are socialists, who probably resent the fact that Walmart provides an increasingly clear example of how capitalism can shower abundance on its entire population, as these socialist utopias never could. The truth about Walmart's critics is that they aren't really interested in economics at all. End quote. 
It's so bad that a 2006 Fortune magazine article found that liberals put Walmart as the number one company on the Fortune 500 that is worse for America. They also ranked it as first on the list of companies in the Fortune 500 they would like to shut down. As you listen to the rest of this episode, I want you to ask the question, does this sound like the worst company in America? Walmart's original sin is selling stuff at the absolute lowest price. The company's motto is always low prices, always. Think about it. Millions of people save hundreds if not thousands of dollars over the course of a year by shopping at Walmart. That equates to hundreds of millions of dollars left in the pockets of Americans with which to deploy elsewhere in the economy. Consider the impact on the poor. Mark Perry explains it this way. And yet, another neutral observer who looks at the significant economic benefits generated by Walmart in terms of everyday low retail prices for groceries, prescription drugs, clothing, and household items that generate billions of dollars in cost savings for low-income Americans, along with millions of job opportunities in cities across America for low-income Americans with above-market compensation and significant opportunities, could only come to one conclusion— Walmart is truly great for low-income Americans and has single-handedly done more to lift more low-income people out of poverty than any charitable organization or government agency in the world. End quote. Think about the stuff that Walmart sells, food and clothing in particular. In other words, consumer staples. The smaller percentage all of us pay for these things, especially the poor, the better off we are. Walmart is just better at retailing than its competitors. Maybe that's part of the left's disdain in an era of no winners and losers, just participation trophies. As Paul Kirkland explains, quote, These lower prices are possible because Walmart is more productive, more efficient than its competitors. This gives it lower costs than its competitors, and because its costs are lower than theirs, it is able to charge less than they do while still making a profit. End quote. They are able to do so because they have always been more productive than their competitors and operated with lower expenses. In his autobiography, Walton recounted how they used computers and satellites when they first came out. They connected their inventories to their suppliers to better control products on the shelves. What about the complaint that Walmart squeezes its suppliers and the downstream implications of that? My first reaction is, so what? Those suppliers do not have to sell to Walmart. Stop your belly aching. Figure out how to hit Walmart's number or forego the Walmart account. Yeah, but in order for suppliers to hit Walmart's numbers, they shift manufacturing overseas, will argue your typical Walmart basher. Well, let's tackle the loss of manufacturing jobs in the U.S. The claim that manufacturing jobs are lost to overseas operations is true. But dare I say it again, so what? Are these folks making the argument that all shoppers should pay more than necessary in order to make sure someone has a job in manufacturing? Are you saying that these newly unemployed people cannot find another job? There are zero opportunities for these folks to find other work? Are you saying that you and I are responsible for employing others? What about the overseas sweatshops? Well, to some, Walmart is like a corporate criminal. Lonnie Hancock, a California legislator, asserts that Walmart's fortunes has, quote, been built on human misery, end quote. Seems a bit hyperbolic, but let's see if Lonnie's claims hold any water. Why are wages so low in less developed countries where these so-called sweatshops are located? Could it be because worker productivity is low? Could it be that alternatives for work are lousy? 
And why are we comparing work conditions in the United States where we have had two centuries of industrial progress and wealth beyond the wildest dreams of people in less developed countries to that of third world working conditions? The relevant comparison is to the alternatives available to those in less developed economies. John Siemens, writing for the Foundation for Economic Education, put it this way, quote, Companies that employ people in factories in less developed countries must offer a compensation package sufficient to lure them from alternative occupations. So as bad as these sweatshop wages and working conditions may appear to Americans who have a fabulous array of lucrative employment opportunities, they are obviously superior to the alternatives that inhabitants of less developed economies are offered. If the sweatshop jobs were superior, people wouldn't take them, end quote. Well, what about domestic workers at Walmart? Critics argue their wages are crap. Here's what I don't get. Are these people not entering into a voluntary employment agreement? I mean, are these are the workers you see at Walmart slaves? Are they kidnapping victims, being picked up at the side of the road, having a gun placed against the side of their head, herded to work only to receive a previously undisclosed wage at the end of the first two weeks of work? Maybe the truth is the people who work at Walmart are thankful for their job. It offers flexibility, a chance to move up in the organization. They can gain experience. Have you been to a Walmart lately? You don't even have to speak English to work there, or at least at the one closest to me. So three cheers for Walmart. Not really. Walmart gets hammered over the benefits they offer their associates, or the lack thereof. Not only are they underpaid, but many don't get health care coverage. Well, why doesn't Walmart and thousands of other companies offer health insurance for their employees? Is it because they are dirty, rotten, greedy capitalists only interested in the bottom line? Or could it be that the health insurance market has been so screwed up and prices so inflated due to government intervention in the market that it's cost prohibitive to offer coverage? I mean, come on, the government creates a problem and then blames a company dealing with the government-imposed regulations with wrongdoing? I've done several episodes on healthcare and socialized medicine. I think episodes 9 and 17 would be worth listening to if you're interested in this topic. Walmart provides jobs, not necessarily careers. Think back to the argument I made in episode 4, The Truth About the Minimum Wage. Lower paid jobs are not intended to support a family. They are lower paying because the supply of labor that can do those jobs is plentiful. Most Walmart employees fall into this same category. And claims that Walmart contributes to the so-called income gap just doesn't hold up. How is Walmart contributing to it? They keep their labor costs down. They scour the globe looking for bargains. And if China is the cheapest producer, China gets the business. They then turn around and offer these low-priced goods to an American consumer. That's capitalism. I see no need to apologize or make excuses for the economic system that is responsible for moving more people out of poverty around the world than any other economic system. Hell, most other systems are designed to benefit the few to the detriment of the majority. I'll take capitalism every time. So whether we are talking about domestic Walmart employees or so-called sweatshop workers overseas, bad jobs at bad wages is better than no job and no wage. If it keeps people off welfare, the government should be incentivizing the Walmarts of the world to open up more stores, not preventing them from opening, which happens in many locations. One of the favorite indictments of Walmart is that they dominate the market wherever they go and sell goods at prices that are too low. This in turn, says the naysayers, drives small local competitors out of the market because they can't compete with Walmart's pricing or product selection. 
Oh, and throw in an obscure claim that Walmart destroys rural America, like Tucker Carlson mentioned. John Simmons, who I quoted earlier, said this, quote, The absence of rigorous competition leads to high prices in many small communities. While this may be good for the profit margins of the established businesses, it is not necessarily a condition to be preferred over the benefits for the majority of the inhabitants of a community that result from robust competition, end quote. In Sam Walton's autobiography, he made a compelling argument that these little guys should have no problem competing with Walmart if they focus on the right things, namely customer service and specialty items that Walmart does not stock. He told the story of a local paint shop owner thanking him for his employees' willingness to refer people to her shop when they needed something complicated or a specialty item. Walton argued that the little guys should be able to out-service the Walmarts of the world every time. You build a loyal customer base that values that service rather than the lack thereof at the superstore. It is true that Walmart does cause some businesses to close, particularly those in the sectors that com directly compete with it, but it's short-sighted to only focus on the closures. The economy is not a zero-sum game. It's not static. Other businesses and other sectors will replace those that could not compete with Walmart. And I don't mean to be callous here, but why should we care about the mom and pop shops who are selling stuff at higher prices than I can buy at Walmart? I'm no more obligated to spend money on products sold from mom and pop than I am to pay higher prices so a guy can have a manufacturing job here in the United States. Creative destruction and capitalism are wonderful things. They prune the weak branches and only leave the strong, healthy ones. If you can't compete with Walmart, find another line of work and provide the world with something of value. And lastly, the idea that Walmart quote-unquote destroys rural America, as Tucker Carlson recently said, is illogical and void of any economic rationale. Walmart is a force of destruction by bringing cheaper goods to the people of a rural area. I, I just don't follow this argument at all. Walmart improves the lives of people living in these areas because it gives them access to a lifestyle and to products that otherwise would not have been available. There's a gigantic store in the middle of Nowhere, USA, showcasing the world's greatest variety of goods at the lowest possible price. Whatever, Tucker. Another popular flavor of Walmart bashing is the company's resistance to the unionization of its workforce. Why exactly do Walmart workers need a union to represent them? What is to be gained by Walmart if its employees join a union? Have you seen union membership lately? In 2018, 6.4% of the private sector workforce was unionized, and 34% of the government sector. Don't get me started on that latter point. I'll probably have to do an entire episode on that at some point. Back to the union argument. What is the modern track record of the few surviving private sector unions? Consider the auto industry. Over the last few decades, under union representation, GM has cut thousands of jobs and sent many of them overseas because the cost of doing business in the U.S. is too high. Did you know that it is estimated that each vehicle that rolls off the assembly line at a GM plant has almost $3,000 of costs embedded in it just to cover the cost of the UAW contract? How the hell is GM supposed to compete with non-union shops like Ford and Toyota? What else has the UAW done for GM recently? Oh yeah, they almost went bankrupt but were unconstitutionally bailed out by the federal government. And... As of this recording, in September of 2019, GM workers are now striking. I mean, are these people insane? It's as if they are willingly destroying the host. They are the parasite killing their host. What about teachers' unions? Talk about a cluster. 
All we ever hear about is more money for teachers. These unions are a disaster for the kids in which the system is designed to educate. They resist any calls for merit-based system of pay for their members. The kids be damned. Where's the students' union? They are the ones who need protecting from disruptive classmates and shitty teachers. I just can't imagine why Walmart hasn't welcomed a union in with open arms. Doing so would be the death knell for their business, one that is based on low prices. Allowing a union into their business will only skyrocket costs to the very customers that Walmart has faithfully served for decades. Despising billionaires is all the rage among national Democrats, especially those running for president. Your typical liberal hates Walmart's founding family, the Waltons, because they're billionaires. As I discuss in episode 36, The Truth About Billionaires, liberals cannot contain their disdain for anyone who, in their words, is more fortunate than others. When in reality, most billionaires bust their ass or came up with a really, really, really good idea that benefited millions, maybe billions of people, which is certainly the case with Walmart. Karen DeCoster, writing for Mises.org, made this point, quote, Hating Walmart is the equivalent of hating Bill Gates. Sam Walton had a grandiose vision for himself and sought to realize that vision by providing something people want, low prices. He has done every bit as much for your lifestyle as Bill Gates, end quote. And how about these two little nuggets as we conclude? Walmart gives over $1 billion to charity annually. Oh, and Walmart happens to be the largest employer in the United States with over 2 million employees, four times the size of the next largest employer, Amazon. Isn't that praiseworthy? Let's face the facts. Walmart is good. It promotes prosperity. It helps consumers get more for their money, which in turn stimulates the economy. It provides jobs for willing employees. It pushes its suppliers to achieve greater economies in manufacturing. It encourages trade with less developed economies, and in so doing helps those in third world nations to improve their standards of living. And it donates billions to charity. So, what do you think? Is Walmart the worst company in America, worthy of disdain and contempt heaped upon it by liberals and progressives? Please join the conversation at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.